0: What a podcast as always I sincerely appreciate each and every one of you guys checking this thing out I know it's brand new. So if you're here and you're giving it attention, thank you for that I um, want to apologize to our small audience for our uh, Delay in uploading this episode it took about a week longer than I wanted it to had some technical difficulties But we got it all sorted out and we should be back on a regular schedule for you guys um, Let me know if you guys Notice anything throughout this episode that stands out to you? I really think you're going to get some value from it. If you do, send me a message at Coach Dakota Web on just about any social media you could think of, or send me a text 970 9043 And I would love to uh, hear some feedback and hear what you guys think. Thanks again. Hope you guys have a blessed day.
1: welcome back if you've uh, seen the first three episodes if you're new appreciate you guys if you're checking in on youtube facebook that's why i'm looking at the camera um, if you're listening to the podcast appreciate you all as well of course this is center court i'm coach dakota webb checking in with coach warley today uh, coach could you introduce yourself um give the audience like let's just assume they're not from southwest missouri they have no idea who you are give them a little bit of background if you would help me out
2: yeah you bet i'm uh Ryan Worley. I'm currently the head boys basketball coach at uh, new covenant Academy. Um, before that I was at college of the Ozarks as an assistant for a couple years. Right. Um, and that's going back into that role after, uh, stepping away from it previously, Mm -hmm. um, started off as a student assistant at Parkview high school, um, five, a program here in town and worked with coach Shepard and coach Rippey there. And then after, and that was your very first job. That was my first, actually my first job was, uh, C-team girls coach at Pershing nice. Middle School nice. at the age of 21 and yeah. uh, it was technically probably the D-team because we only played every other game uh, <laughs> but it was a great experience wasn't right. sure what I was going to get into what I was going to do when I was 21 until mm-hmm. that first practice and just fell in love with coaching that's awesome yeah and, and very fortunate and blessed that the the path was kind of laid out to me because of the people I worked with had other people that they knew right and through my time at purging was able to step over to the boys program as an assistant through Mm -hmm. that met coach rippy who was the freshman coach at parkview okay and uh helped him out and was the b team coach there and from Mm -hmm. there met uh coach Shepard, who was the head coach he was in his last year at parkview okay and through that met him he leaves to go to evangel and after leaving for evangel coach rippy takes over the program at parkview and Mm -hmm. i stay on as a varsity assistant for another four years wow so, so around 2002, uh, still kind of working through school, mm-hmm. uh, part-time, kind of figuring it out, but just know what I want to do, just got to figure out how to get there. Uh, gaining great experience, uh, getting to know a lot of people in the area with coaching. Well, then Coach Shepard, uh, Evangel wins the national championship that year, and uh, Coach Shepard, Coach Waller at O College of the Ozarks, retires, and Coach Shepard ends up taking over. And through that connection that I had made through him uh, previously – uh, knowing that they use student assistants, knowing that I'm trying to figure out how to pay mm-hmm. for school, uh, it was the perfect perfect blend. Right, uh, Getting a non-traditional guy that's a little older for a student assistant, mm-hmm. uh, and then for me to go down and, and gain valuable experience at the college level. So I ended up uh, enjoying that position so much that I stayed for about nine more years. No, wow. not always a student
1: assistant yeah like after after you <laughs> yeah. graduated and got graduating degree.
2: around yeah. 2005 another three years four years there and then staying on as a volunteer assistant for a couple mm-hmm. years uh working part-time at branson at the public schools okay um and then from there just kind of uh coach rippey ended up taking over at kickapoo and still having that connection i've been very fortunate the guys that i've worked for yeah. have only been two guys
1: that is uh, kind of rare, actually. Yeah. yeah.
2: Coach Shepard and Coach Rippey have been two my very two very guys. good guys to assist right. as well. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: they've been they've been way more than just uh, colleagues and guys I've worked mm-hmm. with. I mean, they've impacted my life in huge ways that I couldn't even can't even measure.
1: Right. Uh, well, I mean, when you assist somebody, you just have so much interaction with them too. Yeah. Like it's you, you better have a good relationship with each other, right. <laughs> otherwise it's going to be flawed. Right. right. I mean, you're really it's family. I yeah. Mean,
2: you're you're working with. Uh, guys that you spend a ton of time with, especially mm-hmm. at the higher levels you go because you're on the road together, Boy, and you're recruiting yeah. together, you're staying in hotels. Sometimes See them sometimes more than you're your like, family. Yeah. yeah. And you're getting on each other's nerves sometimes like family, you know? <laughs> That's, I, so it's it was an amazing experience. And these guys are still my best friends and yeah. guys that I, I and mean, I just talked to Coach Shepard for about an hour yesterday on the really? phone and still talk to Coach Rippey often. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I ended up from there getting the the uh, bug to want to be a head coach. and uh it was around that time that uh coach Poiser at sparta had retired from the coaching part and he had called me and we talked and i ended up uh taking the head boys basketball job there for a year Mm -hmm. Uh, great experience loved amazing kids i mean you're you're learning to build a program at a 2a uh a class 2 program where you're junior high through high school and so you're doing it your way um My wife's a principal in Branson, so the appeal to get back to the Mm -hmm. Tri-Lakes area kind of was always there, and then the Hollister job came open after a year at Sparta. Right. Uh, So you wanted
1: to get down closer to – without having to relocate your whole family or do the commute. Right. That makes sense.
2: And so that opportunity – and they had a really talented team that year Mm -hmm. um, coming back and took that job and uh, was there for for three years um, and had a great experience. Again, Mm -hmm. now you're taking another step up and you're not the junior high coach – but you're now in charge of your junior high coaches and running a, an entire yeah. program from top, uh, top down, and uh, really enjoyed that experience. Had great administrators, great kids, um, but the opportunity to go back to CFO came up again, mm-hmm. and so I did, and and uh, went back for a couple years, and then uh, this opportunity at New Covenant still just had that the bug to be a head coach to yeah. run my own program, but wanted to be patient and wait for the right place.
1: I think that's fair too. Yeah. Like, I mean, as with anything in life, if you force it. You know who knows how it turns out you you might not be all in on it sort right. of situation Um, so you you had two stints at CFO mm-hmm. right Um, can you tell me you know obviously an assistant coach at the college level you're called upon you know especially at a smaller college you're called upon to do an awful lot just to support the head coach right, right? and you just mentioned like at Hollister you had to delegate you had to like manage a staff you know what I mean yeah. I mean, at the next level, it's even more so. Like Coach Shepard really relies on yourself and whoever else is on his staff. What were your roles there? Or like what did Coach Shepard look to get from you specifically?
2: Well, and that was a great thing. He he challenged me from day one with things that I was probably uncomfortable mm-hmm. with doing that I didn't wasn't completely prepared. But he knew that I could handle. I just needed that guidance for it. Just a simple thing like when I first got there, it was uh, I was in charge of, uh film exchange Mm -hmm. and uh uh, scouting reports kind of and so it was interesting because at that time it was back when you would it wasn't as easy as getting on your computer right logging into a program (laughs) and just looking and watching video on somebody like it is now right uh it was i needed to contact about five schools for every opponent we had on the schedule and try to get at least two of them to send me film and some days it was you know two days before and the next day so was FedEx. that like direct mail then? yeah or, it oh was man. a FedEx usually we, we had a FedEx number I had it memorized that's crazy I would call the assistance for whoever it was and say here's our FedEx number yeah. and We're who can 12. I give you and I had to be it, what it really taught me though was organization
1: yeah that's true. like here's who
2: I got coming on this one and mm-hmm. that's still two months away yeah and I needed to know but also I needed to know that who I needed to make sure I got games to afterwards so I really learned to be organized at that time with what we were trying to get mm-hmm. done. And, and when he would ask me, hey, who do you got coming on this one? I was able to right there, pull it up and look and, right. and have that available. And that was probably the most valuable thing I learned with that. And yeah. and as I grew in that role, the roles continued. He just continued to add on to it. I was I felt like the next big step for me was trying to get heavily involved in the recruiting process with kids. Okay, uh, Just getting out and watching and evaluating. Mm-hmm. Probably not as much with the relationship stuff. It was just more of uh hey coach i saw this kid and then coach would go and watch him and Mm -hmm. he would get an idea and then he was really good at the the relationship part but then eventually that grew into now you're building the relationships you're making the phone calls you're writing the letters some on top of coach Shepard doing it and uh then when i left i feel like i probably took a bigger step in the just the understanding of how to prepare for an opponent organize your practice plans right have a plan in place that's not just two days out Um, so when we would come back coach was a little more with let's talk about practice and here you're the this year you've got the offense
1: and this was your second stint yes okay
2: so it was now you're the kind of the offensive coordinator okay I'll do the I'll do the defense and you know everything obviously would be running through him I would have meetings with him but then when it was practice time I made sure we had the plan ready and prepared and he gave me a ton of responsibility, and we would usually break down every other opponent with scouting reports. Yeah, made it lighten for both of us, uh, not to just do one. And um, and then this year, going into this last season, he we actually just flipped roles. He's like, "You've got the defense this year. I'll take the offense," just so we continue to grow and not get stagnant yeah. in what we're doing.
1: I think that makes sense, though. I mean, that's yeah. wise, right? Yeah, kind of like always have fresh eyes on it and right. challenge, challenge like what we're doing, auditing what we're doing, making sure it still makes sense. Yeah. Um, Whenever you like would go on the road and evaluate talent and you were, you know, thrust into that recruiting role, did you find yourself drawing on like, or looking back now hindsight being 2020, could you find yourself drawing on the scouting teams and looking ahead on the schedule? I mean, obviously that's the difference in you're watching a college program, scouting them versus watching a high school player but do you think there's some overlap there absolutely like yeah. you
2: see programs where you're wanting to get your program to and you see the caliber of player and the type of yeah. players they are and so when you go and watch you're like does this guy help me does mm-hmm. he help us right get to that so it's level? like problem solving right
1: like putting in plugging the holes basically
2: absolutely and then you're then when you start to get those caliber of players in a class then it becomes what do we need to fill the next hole mm-hmm. that we didn't get and what do you need after that it's going to yeah. replace it and.
1: What were your guys' non-negotiables? So, I mean, I know, like, year to year, it's probably going to vary based on, like, who, like as far as what holes you need to plug. Right. But what were your non-negotiables, regardless?
2: Well, I think first and foremost is having high-character kids. Mm. I mean, just kids that were uh, uh, responsible and you knew through doing some background work that uh, they were going to be able to be responsible enough to take care of business day in Mm. and day out. But it's always kind of a – even then, it's – it's the college level is very demanding oh yeah it's, uh, it's basically like a job it is and a
1: hard work you right you have a little extra <laughs>
2: yeah you've got a little extra and it was it was probably even more so at O and even for coach Shepard when he was at Evangel you're you're looking for kids that are going to be a great fit in the culture of the school first right and then are they going to be able to help handle the academics and then after the academics you know are they going to be able to to handle what we're throwing at mm-hmm. of basketball wise and it, it there's always turnover. I mean, I think you look at every program and you see kids that'll, they'll come in and, uh, and then they decide, you know, this is a lot and maybe they decide it's not for them or for whatever reason, or they look to transfer for whatever reason. Uh, I think part of that is the society nowadays a little bit too is when it gets a little bit tough, I look for the next thing. And, but I think you, I think that's fair. Yeah. But I, I, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that it's any different now that, that I was any different when I was that age as compared to today's kid. I think that's not fair to them. Mm I, Uh, that is teaching kids how to handle adversity. And, yes, it's tough right now, but you're going to get through it. Of course, yeah. uh, And I've experienced that now going back to the high school level. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, you you put some high pressure and demands on kids, and they want to, first and foremost, it's to, I'm not sure, and they question it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to. That's natural. Yeah,
1: and it's probably healthy to a degree. Yeah. Because at that point, they're involved in the decision. Right. rather than the decision being made for them, right? Like, yes. hey, this is a conscious choice to buy into what you're being asked to do or to not buy in, right? right. With choices come consequences, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and I think it's fair to put kids in that position, right? Um, especially in the right environment. You know, you don't want to just like, as, as you get younger and younger, you don't want to just throw them to the wolves. Right. Obviously they need guidance, but I don't think it's, irresponsible or asking too much to do that either at the same time. Right.
2: I agree. Yeah. I think for one, you're, you're, I don't want to say testing the commitment level, but you're definitely finding out, you know, which kids Mm -hmm. are really dedicated or committed to wanting to push themselves. Are they intrinsically motivated? Do they need you to do it? And then when you start to do it, how do they respond to it? Mm -hmm. And is it going to be something where they, Can they handle the adversity? And when I say adversity, it's just the challenges. Maybe you're throwing at them physically for the practice as compared to what they've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the thinking through the game, the way you're challenging them to think about the game as compared to, hey,
1: we're just going to throw it up and go play. (laughs) Uh, Right. Um, Whenever – so like kind of switching gears, your second stint at CFO, whenever you were called upon to do like the offensive X's and O's or the defensive X's and O's, could we dive a little deeper into that? Because, yeah. like, I want to share this with coaches and kind of give them some behind the scenes. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, I've talked to Coach Shepard. He's always been super open. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm kind of curious what it was you guys emphasized on both sides of the ball and then how you addressed that.
2: Well, I think offensively first, we always set some goals that we wanted to meet each and every game. And, and okay. for one is limiting turnovers. Uh, we set some percentage that we wanted to shoot from certain games, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, whether it was 35% from three, obviously over 75% from the free throw line. I mean, when you set those kind of goals that you know that you're gonna value, then first and foremost, when you don't meet those goals, then you're able to back it up and okay, why didn't we? Right. Maybe it's shot selection. Like a measuring stick. Yeah. 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 So you know, then okay, we need to work on this, we need to address this, we need to watch film over this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I think we would really stress as far as Offensively, valuing the ball, not turning it over. Okay. Right shot, right person, right time. Okay. Now the co- high school level is obviously a lot different than the college level when you got the shot clock involved. Of course. Um, but you still at the at the high school or college level, you still want the right guys taking the right shots at the right time yeah. from the right spots. It's I something agree. else we've said, you know, it's. Uh, but then I think it's outside of those things are you giving yourself the best chance to score in the right places on the floor? And the one thing I love about the system we ran at C it was very interchangeable, it kind of fits into the modern game, a little bit okay. of the, what you want to call small ball. Everybody has right. the ability to step out, shoot Well, it. you
1: guys never did really have anybody to recruit that was like a quote-unquote big. Right. Right? Like and sometimes even six, when we six, did, you would find out that biggest. it
2: would kind of clog that. It would, of course. It was a struggle sometimes. Now, we yeah. had some bigs that – and we just try to simplify it for them. If they were – go block to block, post up – Right, we would do a lot of actions where we would throw it into the post and then work out of that with skip outs or mm-hmm. kick outs or what we called punch screens, which was the uh, kind of the Golden State center screen action where they would
1: yes, where they run out off a of
2: Draymond and then exactly. they bring Curry or somebody off of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're flare setting,
1: screen. That, so, setting that like perimeter screen for the shooter yeah. and then slipping to the basket, yeah. right? And then you've got the the dump off from the big or the kick out to the shooter, whichever yeah. one opens up. That makes sense to me. Um, what did you guys do? I know sometimes like shot selection is it's it's one of those gray things to to teach, right? Like it can be tricky. Um we can teach shooting mechanics, we can teach you know this part of the offense or that part of the offense, but the shot selection, you know, I know you guys measured it with field goal percentage and that was a good barometer of being like, "Hey, low field goal percentage indicative of us not taking great shots perhaps." Did you guys have any quick hitters or like things you would just go to though like say you had a few possessions that you didn't care for okay we need to get this dude a shot here to try to control the offense without losing our flow
2: yeah we, i think we did we we always had a couple things we'd want to go to hmm. we usually had right. we probably had about five things okay and, and honestly my first year back we had a lot more than that i kind of okay. came so in you with some whittled stuff it down. Yeah, yeah. With it. uh Coach was like, "Hey, put together this," and I ended up putting together kind of a playbook that was mm-hmm. very similar. They it was we got it. I got it from uh, Fred Horiburg when he was at okay. Chicago, and he yes. called it pitch. Yes, and we called it flip. Okay, and it was just a lot of quick handoff actions that would end mm-hmm. up in certain
1: actions at the yeah. end. like basically like stacking two actions back to back with with a handoff into a ball screen or a pin down into a handoff. Yep. is that kind of what that it was? That is, yeah, yeah. And,
2: and usually. We had some that would end in a, like we said, that kind of that center screen punch action, but you, right. you disguise it with some false motion if you want to. Of with all the pitch actions and movement. Right.
1: I actually, um, I love that playbook, to be honest.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to be the first year. I tried to put it in a, a while back at the high school level. I'm going to yeah. have to do it again this year a little bit.
1: I really think more teams should. Yeah, I've said that to a lot of high school coaches, and I'm sure nobody will.
2: <laughs> it, it, kids, what I love about it is, When you try to teach something, kids will struggle maybe to see the concept. But now you have something to go pull up on YouTube, of course, and show it to them. I'm sure that's helpful. It is, and I've I've had actions where we've done things and kids will struggle to get the pace of it Mm -hmm. and understand how it's supposed to kind of look. Right, and then you just next film session, all of a sudden you pull it up and you say, Hey, this is what we're looking for out of the. you know, the flip angle. Of course, And then they see it, so they're able to go out now and execute that a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I know, um, and I I don't think I'm giving away too much, so he shouldn't mind. But um, I know Coach Schweitzer down at Ozark, like I've been working with them this preseason, and he was telling me that, you know, his intention was to, you know, they've always, in my opinion, I think they're one of the better teams in the area having some sort of system, Mm -hmm. right? And like, you know, they, they seem to always play well as a unit regardless of the talent on the floor. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's Ozark, so they have some talent. Right. <laughs> but um, I think he's wanting to be more intentional with that shot selection this season. He was saying, like, you know, nothing's changing as far as the system, but having a series of quick hitters that they cross the timeline and get into, right? Yeah. Now, what those are, whatever, but it's the same idea, right? Like, you know, hey, we can kind of help teach shot selection just by putting them in spots right. on the floor that, you know, from there – we hope the decision-making takes over and the reps that we've done, you know, are conducive to making good decisions. Right. But at least they're in a place where they have an advantage of sorts.
2: Yeah, it's, and you're constantly having conversations about roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you got these quick hitters in. Right. Constantly having the conversation. And, and the greatest uh, teacher of role is playing time sometimes. And then yeah. it's unfortunate, you know, that you have, you're you not feeling right. like you want to punish a kid. but but it makes you sense though to, i mean the get, game
1: is the biggest teacher right? right and like if you're not playing the game that's right. also a teacher <laughs> i want to play so <laughs> yes. i
2: recognize maybe i don't need to shoot it as many right. threes a game and uh or i need it sometimes mm-hmm. honestly it's it's backwards i've had kids that are so unselfish like reluctant yeah, yeah. because you, they buy into what you're what you're teaching about the, the mm-hmm. team game and sharing the ball and ball movement that of they course. pass up shots yeah. and you're just you've got to tell them i need we need you to score we need you mm-hmm. to look for that and and that's when you know you've. That's a good problem to have.
1: That, yeah, it's it's an easier problem to right. deal with, right? Um, what about the defensive side of things? How did you guys uh, attack the defensive side?
2: We've uh, really adopted the pack line defensive mentality down okay. there. I when I my last year, my, my first year back at uh, CVO, I I've always been a big Tony Bennett fan. Okay, and what they've done at when, even when he was at Washington State. Mm-hmm. And then have always been a Virginia fan. Not always – once he took over. Of course. Really watched Virginia and their style of play. I love the mover-blocker mm-hmm. offense. He's got some great quick hitters himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he does – his court demeanor and his sideline demeanor is just – Well, and
1: even just like his – off the court demeanor, I, I mean, he's probably a top five coach in the game. Yeah. I think that's comfortable to say yeah, at the I, college I level. Yeah. And I think
2: it's it's starting to come to light out Everybody else, just, yeah. not just from a national championship. The nice
1: thing about social media is, <laughs> right? We get a few few more clips behind the scenes, and we're like, this guy can coach. <laughs> well, and what's
2: to lead into that? That's when before he was national championship coach, even Final mm. Four one seeds. I emailed their staff, okay, and I just said, hey, we're looking at doing this. Uh, Love your defensive stuff. Been watching a lot. What can you help us with? Mm -hmm. And kind of gave them a background of where I was at and what we had done. And they emailed me back within a couple weeks and sent us a lot of really good information and some practice video. That's cool. With drills. Yeah. And uh, we just started implementing that as soon as we could, and we we just talk a lot about defensively the things we want to value, which is – uh, know your nose mm-hmm. for, and I, this is something that I carry into where we're at now at New Covenant we don't right. know baseline and I think when you put those guidelines on and you make a mistake or somebody scores mm-hmm. that usually you can revert back to something happened on one of these seven things that we try to do or, or not that yeah. happen. and if not then it just means they made a play and that's okay that's there's bad. nothing wrong with that move on to the next play because they're going to score yeah and you I mean good offense be beats mistakes. good defense right.
1: eventually um That's really cool, though. I mean, from two angles. Like, first of all, I think the best coaches are always willing to reach out to others, right? And always like try to find where they might be able to get some help. You know, we don't know everything. It's the coach that knows everything that like I don't want anything to do with, right? And then them being so open to sharing it too. But I think, I think that's pretty prevalent across coaching. Yeah, I I I honestly haven't ran into, and
2: I'm I'm a coach. I love studying coaches. Yeah. I mean, I just love, I'll call anybody, I'll bug anybody and, and try to learn as much as I can about what they're doing. Even if I don't want to do it Mm -hmm. or won't do it, I want to know what it is. And the biggest thing for me is what do they do? You know, besides the X's and O's, what are they doing to develop their culture? How are they, Mm -hmm. the relationship part of it? Because that's so important with what the true success of a program, it's so much as, is that part of it. And then I feel like after that, it's going to be the, no matter where your X's and O's are, how's your skill development? What are you doing to get guys better? Is it strength, more strength stuff, more shooting? Do you play more? I mean, I've gone by and watched every single college here in town multiple Mm -hmm. times and we'll do it again as they get going more now that they're in week one, week two, because we we're in the middle of our junior high, actually towards the end of our junior high season. And we're going to have about two weeks there before November 4th when the high school season starts. Mm -hmm. So that time for me will look like hitting about as many college practices as I can. Yeah. Uh, and then when I was at the college level, I'd love to go watch high school guys, Okay. The guys in the area that I have a lot of respect for that have had success no matter where they're at, mm. like the John Schafer's and right,
1: you know, uh, and, and like regardless of level at that point, there's always some sort of takeaway, right? right. Like we all teach differently in some way or fashion or even like you said, you may not want to run this specifically. I, I think we get too tied to X's and O's and drills sometimes. and it's just great to notice how coaches like problem solve and how right. they communicate and how they structure practice and where their stance is on conditioning or skill development, etc. Yeah, and, and like just the more gyms you're in, like that was my big challenge whenever I got back here and I just started coaching up again. And I just started skill development in this market again, and I'm like, I need to be in a, if I'm not training an athlete or coaching a practice or doing a workout, I need to be in a gym, yeah, right? Because I think that's, that's where I'm challenged to stretch and grow and notice and like just stay plugged in. You right. know? And like even even now, like between workouts, if I'm not able to get to a gym, I'm watching film, right. listening to some sort of podcast, you know, what have you, like trying to just kind of keep my brain working yeah you're
2: constantly growing and learning if you're not you're gonna i mean you kind of what is it adapt or die in the the philosophy kind of backwards wise with coaching is that you got to continually trying to grow and Mm -hmm. learn new things and even if it's not something you're going to implement in your program let's see say you went and have studied somebody and watched them run practice that's just Mm -hmm. worked on one three one zone and flex the entire time in practice right you're going to run into a team Yes. that's going to do those things. Amen. And then you're going to be a little more prepared because you have a better understanding of what it is they're doing. That's a fact. Yes. And, and that's my whole goal is you want to get to a point in your season where everything's been taught and it's just mm. building re, uh, repetition through instincts yeah. that they don't have to be out there thinking and they're just reacting and playing mm-hmm. the game. Yeah. And if they have a high level of confidence and they don't play with fear of making a mistake, exactly. that's really hard to do as a coach sometimes when you're trying to correct but then all of a sudden, now you're into, we're in opponents. Mm-hmm. It's just now staying sharp and preparing for our opponents. Right. So whether it's that day we're playing somebody that's getting ready to play somebody that's a flex team, then our shell drill is going to look like flex. It's mm-hmm. going to be preparing, right. developing a habit to where we're ready to play that. And then as soon as that's done, you're moving on to the next thing. Mm.
1: And it's not necessarily changing what you're doing. Right. It's just taking what you're good at, being great at it, and making it contextual to who you're about to play. Right. Right. And I think there's – Like I I take it as a challenge and like I said we're always learning I don't want to be that coach who thinks I know everything by any means right and so I'm always challenging myself on the same token or the flip side of that coin whatever conversation I enter I want to have some sort of context or some sort you know like I may not know it in and out but I want to at least know of it right right and then have the humility to ask questions if I don't, if I really truly am across the table or in a gym with somebody who knows more about that than I do, right? Heck, even if they may not, right, they might know something I don't know, right? And it's worth it's worth asking, or it's worth observing. You know what I mean? I do, and
2: I think you're you're walking it right now just by the podcast you're Trying. having, and the coaches you're talking to. I mean, right. I think you're, this is uh, a selfish endeavor. <laughs> it's it's, a, it's great. I love it. Yeah. I, I can sit down, and and my wife gets she gets a kick out of me because I can. Mm-hmm. I can sit down and talk basketball and coaching all day and somebody will catch right. me out when we're out and about and it'll be uh, somebody who's been to one of our games and they'll want to talk and yeah. she can't get me to move on because exactly. I'm talking basketball and yeah. talking coaching. <laughs> and then even if it's Belichick or uh, these guys at uh, Nick Saban, the guys mm-hmm. who build cultures and the way that you want to talk about it, I'll sit and talk basketball or right. culture or coaching all that, day. I mean,
1: that'll apply to whatever the sport, yeah. right? That's just team building, leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to run it back. Like you mentioned, and, and it stuck with me, mostly because of what I'm doing now. Um, but you had mentioned the skill development piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also well aware, not just the high school or college like background that you have, but you have um, a couple of kids that play of your own, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got the junior high season going on right now. You've overseen junior high programs in the past. I want to pick your brain a little bit. What have you noticed on the youth side of things, like maybe areas of um, wanting or things that we could be doing better in youth development?
2: Well, I think it's, first off, I was working at camp with Barry Henson a long time ago when he was the head coach at Missouri State. And somebody was asking him at that time, the "and one stuff was becoming really popular. Guys were doing all the the, The hot uh, sauce and and professor all that stuff and and the guys were sitting around honestly it was a group of us that Mm -hmm. were working the camps coaches of course sitting around complaining about it you know like this Mm -hmm. is ruining the game and all that stuff and henson had a great point that i really have kind of stuck to you got a kid having fun he's got the ball in his hands
1: pretty fair i mean
2: it's a great point yeah i mean if they've got a ball in their hand and they're enjoying it then they're going to be somehow hopefully getting better at something now you hope that they are you're going to be able to apply some of that in a game situation that's a little more well
1: I, I do think it's fair though like even myself i catch myself um even this year more so than last year i'm trying to judge a little less yeah just because it may not be the most efficient way it doesn't mean it's a total loss right right and as long as i've gotten to i'm you know we're always like you said with your playbook trying to whittle things down you can't teach like time is the biggest asset right. so we can only teach so much well i've also tried to kind of ascertain my priorities and whittle those down and at the end of the day, it's two things it's number one, I want them to walk away having learned something number two, I want them to have enjoyed the process right you know what I mean like my interaction with them and their time in a gym playing basketball was a positive experience right right so I think that's very fair right now, I definitely interrupted you so what more what were you going to say well I think
2: uh so falling back on that, I think it's just the kids, and if they're in the gym and they're working at it, now it's a direction of giving them mm-hmm. the right things to work on. And, yeah. and I think that the fact that so many kids are coming into the gym, whether it's with yourself or other skill development coaches, mm-hmm. they're in the gym, they're getting better. Exactly. And uh, I think that, that that's going to just help them, whatever it is they're doing. Sometimes mm-hmm. you uh, – And I think you do an amazing job with what you're doing. You've worked with our kids. You've been over there. And I know that the focus is never, you're not jumping steps. Sometimes you know that if you're not careful, somebody can watch a YouTube video for 30 minutes and then come away with a workout. But Mm. the problem is, is what they just watched isn't applicable for a seventh grader. Exactly. He shouldn't be out there doing, you know, a, a step back three crossovers mm-hmm. when he hasn't developed the opportunity to catch and shoot. James Harden has a different skill set than right.
1: the fifth grader down the street. I agree. <laughs> I think, it,
2: you know, if you can build those foundation. Here's what I tell our kids and our parents. Like, I've had multiple conversations. Like, what do we need to work on with our kid? And yeah. When we get to the offseason, I said, first off, we'll have individual meetings mm-hmm. about that, even with the, all the way down at the junior high level. Right. But I think that just the ability to catch and shoot Mm. has kind of got lost some with some of the I agree. first off with the sports centers of the world, you know, and yep. this is what I told our, like our guys last night, I said, you're either one of three guys when you watch a game, mm-hmm. you're either the sports center guy, which is just watching the highlights. Yeah. Want to watch games for dunks, want to yeah. watch them for great passes. Or
1: today it's the overtime kid. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: And the other thing I told him is you're watching it as a, just a fan, mm-hmm. you know, that's enjoying the game and you love basketball and you just want to see Right. guys do things or you're the, the imitator is what I called it because okay. when, I, when I was growing up it was the Michael Jordan I would watch him go out and imitate Isaiah Thomas and not the, the modern day Isaiah no, Thomas the older yeah. Isaiah Thomas the, the OG from the Pistons and yeah. <laughs> watching him and going out and working on whatever move that was the imitator guy Okay, and then there's the third guy in my mind that's the you're watching the game to study it and that's really hard to get younger kids to do mm-hmm. but I told them when you get to a point to where you can watch a game once or twice a week yeah, and and actually break it down and watch it, your IQ is going to increase mm-hmm. immensely in the game. Whether yep. or not, if it's just a simple, why did the five-man get a, a dunk running straight down the middle of the floor, rim yeah, running? Like what happened beforehand. Yeah, yeah, and what happened with the defense? Why did the defense, did they well, not? Well, honestly,
1: like, and folks come to me, like, I, I have a, a little bit more freedom, you know, whenever you're doing preseason practices or team practices in season or – the tournaments are rolling around like you have parameters and things you need to check off right within the context of a team and for me like I you know people are coming to me for extra at the end of the day it's all extra on top of what their team is doing and so I've started to really kind of audit that and I'm like okay how can I give them the most value and that's one part of it I've this um this last summer and this preseason I've been trying to not every workout by any means, but about, you know, every sixth or fifth workout, try to do about 10 minutes of film. Yeah, And it's a focus film. Like I'll, I'll put together a clip um, or a series of clips rather of these stride stop counters and these stride stop finishes, right? Or these defensive rotations whenever it gets kicked to the weak side. Right. Here's what it looks like when a team X's out and triple switches, here's why they do it, yeah. right? And at least hopefully my, you know, selfishly we're working on that stuff in our workouts. And so I want them to see like the best players in the world do it. Right. And like, you know, kind of be like, Oh crap, you know, that is (laughs) worth while or Hey, now that I've seen it, it makes a little more sense out of the context of our workout. I've seen it in an actual game. And then my other hope is that they can, like you're saying, take it away and be able to kind of start noticing those things themselves. Right. and, Towards the end of workouts with my high school players, my, my older guys and girls, I've been really challenging them, like challenging myself because I don't want to control the whole workout anymore. I think everything is way too instructed or drill-led these days. And so I, I have been at the end trying to have more flow where we're going up and down or even in a half-court setting where it's flowing and it's quick and it's not me setting up an exact situation. Right. I just coach the situations that occurred. But inevitably there's always a kid or two or three that are off and I make them stay by me and I don't tell them what I see. I ask them to tell me what they see.
2: Right. Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah, and then absolutely. I challenge them throughout the workout. Hey, what did you see there? And I'm not perfect at it yet. I still catch myself sometimes right. like giving them the answer and not asking the question, just being like, Hey, you know, I noticed this and never giving them the chance to be collaborative. Right. But I think when you look at the highest levels, you know, and we're, we're coaching kids. We're not coaching grown men or grown women at the end of the day, you know. But I think there's something to be said for that collaboration.
2: Absolutely. I think when you start having your kids and your program start, mm-hmm. what I say, talking the talk. Yes. And and, and every program's culture and talk is different. Mm-hmm. It's what you're stressing, what you're trying to emphasize. If it's for us with motion or with our, our defense – When you see guys – and I love – and I never want anybody injured. But we've had Mm – like last season we had an injury for a a player of ours who was a starter and he was a sophomore. Okay. And I think it's going to be incredibly valuable valuable for him moving into his junior year as a leader and an understanding of the game. And I've already seen it out of him Mm -hmm. because he sat by us and he – He got the Ben Simmons year basically. Yeah, he's like (laughs) we're not – they didn't guard the handoff right, they didn't hedge on mm. it, they didn't help, they didn't switch it. They didn't, that's huge. They yeah. gave up baseline and nobody, we, we helped, but nobody helped the helper, mm-hmm. they didn't drop. And uh, so usually when somebody scores, you can most likely, if you really want to nitpick it and micromanage mm-hmm. it, you could find where we broke down. Yeah. And sometimes it's two passes back, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes also recognizing that that's part of the game, you're gonna
1: make a mistake, it's really yeah. hard to guard. It's like managing mistakes is most of defense. Right. Like you're not gonna play a perfect right. defensive possession. <laughs> yeah. In fact, and, I, and I'm a broken record. My kids are probably tired of hearing it from me, but I really want our workouts to be messy for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know, and and yeah. I try to, I try to articulate this to parents as much as I can, because I think it's important that they know as well. Because everything that we do can be undone if it's not being reinforced right um, elsewhere. Right, and and I'm not gonna like lose sleep over it. It is what it is. If if that does end up being the case, right. but I try to com- communicate with everybody in my circle, like, hey, we do everything messy for a reason. I want them to regularly face adversity and mm-hmm. have to overcome it because that is basketball. Right, like basketball is not a choreographed dance. You know, I mean, it is poetry in motion to like somebody who's a savant or like really loves the game. Right, but. That's also kind of fluffy to say that. Right. Like, when you really look at basketball, yes, there's patterns, there's actions, there's common occurrences that we can prepare for, but each of them are also unique. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the main skill is being able to win the possession within that mess. Right. I think winning is the skill I'm trying to work on every workout. Yeah. Competing. Yeah, competing.
2: And I like to use competing a lot because I don't want them to come away –
1: like, if they lose, it's a bad thing. Getting caught up in thing. the end result is compared That's fair, to the I possession
2: guess. by possession process. Yeah. Now, we harp that a lot with our guys. Like, each possession has its own life, and you got to try mm-hmm. to do your best to to win that, that one course. possession. And then the process of that and being your best in that possession, knowing that the odds are against you mm-hmm. being perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Right. You're going to make a mistake, but how do you handle it? And can you let go of it? Great players have a short-term memory. Mm-hmm. They, they forget about the last shot, they forget about the next the last play, and they move on to the next one. The guys that have a tendency to underachieve for their abilities or talents mm-hmm. are sometimes the biggest struggle for them is because they have too long of a memory. Right. And they let one mistake compound to a next or grow into the next or coach is going to get upset with me because of this. And, mm-hmm. and that's a fine line as a coach. You don't want to create an environment of fear. You want kids to go ahead and learn and understand it's okay to make mistakes. Right. Move on to the next play. It's too many mistakes or too many games. Bobby Knight had a, a – his quote used to be, basketball's a game of mistakes, the team that makes the fewest usually wins.
1: It's fair. It yeah. is, yeah. And yeah.
2: I think, you, it's again, it's a fine line because I, the guys that I envy the most, probably coaching-wise, are the guys that pump confidence into their guys in terms of they get out there mm-hmm. and they get – they play above and beyond. They're great in their role. Right. And they're just – they're masters and great in their role. And they play with that confidence knowing what the mm-hmm. role is first and that they're going to be the best at it at that time. Yeah. And, and I struggle with that sometimes. And that's something that I know going into this season, I want to focus and do a much better job of. Mm-hmm. I want guys, I don't want to create it. Last year I had to coach so hard and so much trying to teach our system. Okay, that I and it was your first season. Right, yeah, yeah first right. season with a talented group. Right. So you're on that fine line of we want to start implementing what we're going to be and who we're going to be, mm-hmm. what we know is going to let this group be successful. Right. And then they're also talented guys that we want to make plays. Yeah. Because ultimately, it, I tell our guys all the time, you guys are the ones making plays. Yeah. We control very little in a game besides who plays timeout mm-hmm. once in a while where we try to make an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're the ones making plays, and it's our job to try to get them prepared for the test.
1: Yes. To yeah. build
2: the instincts to, to be ready for the test.
1: Yeah, at, at that point, like, our preparation, our practices, or, or, you know, in the hallways when you see your kids, or whatever it is, like, everything except game day is like, how can we pump confidence? How can we empower? How can we make sure that they are on the same page – yet not playing out of fear. Right. Right. Like I've seen some very good coaches with long track records, a lot of wins, people I even respect. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, if if you start ripping kids the moment they miss a shot or if you really overanalyze every single possession and like, hey, we made like five passes, we're supposed to make seven. You know, like little things like that. And I've been, you know, guilty of it, you know, that really can shatter a kid's confidence.
2: Yeah, I mean, what, kid's afraid to miss a shot. He's probably not going to make the shot. Yeah. And if he's thinking about yeah. shooting and whether he should shoot exactly. it, he's probably not going to make it.
1: Well, and I, and I just think like overanalyzing is a, it's an endemic in, it, in and of itself. Like I'm trying to be better this year about when I go to games, whether it's because I have a relationship with the coach or there's kids I train that are playing or, you know, so on and so forth. After the game... If it's somebody I have a relationship with, of course I will have made mental notes that whole game, right? I'm not going to give them any of them right. for 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. Like that's going to be my rule this season. Yeah. Because like the only things that should be coming out of my mouth after you just competed for two to three hours and your coach or your team just had a long talk in the locker room, right? And, yeah. and like competing is emotional. It is. Um, the only thing coming out of my mouth should be, you know, I enjoy watching you. I'm glad I came. I love you. Things of those nature. Right. Right. And I think sometimes because, and it's all well intentioned. Like, I do know some parents that know a lot about the game. Right. Right. Or I know some folks in my position that are very well meaning. But it's timing. Yeah. Right. And like, if we overanalyze every single game or every single shot, what does that do to the player? Yeah, it wears on them. Yeah, it starts wearing on them. And I don't know that we empower them at that yeah, point. Yeah, I
2: agree. I think. I like to, uh, at the high school level, as much as I can, as mm-hmm. far as a coach can with what we can control, is I like to have our guys ride the bus home. Yeah. And it's not because I just, like, mm-hmm. when I first started doing it, it was because I wanted our guys to have that time together. Yeah. and then I've it, had some as, good memories on a bus. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's where your bonding happens, you know, the, the some of the goofy stories, whatever, right. you know, but then it, as it's grown on its own, I've realized that. This is also, like if we have a tough night, mm-hmm. whether it's a positive good night, great night, bad night, whatever it is, it also gives the parents a chance to go on their own. Mm-hmm. And for them to not have to get in the car, and, and I don't even mean this. I would rather them be upset with me and right. my coaching or whatever is going on and fill their, their head full of that than approach them about mm-hmm. how they played. Yeah, and I and I try to encourage our parents when we have our first parent meeting that that's why I do it. Yeah, and that if you do, they do go home with you, or when they do get home, just love on them. Yeah, puff them up, encourage them, and then don't talk about the game. and then yeah. wait until you need an opportunity. And most of the time, after a night of sleep, uh, they're not gonna feel like having the same conversation anyways.
1: Yeah. And I, honestly, like I couldn't be more grateful to my mom and dad for having done that. Like I was. So in love with the game that like and I I, I hate losing right. probably more than I like to you win you didn't lose a lot in high school uh, not a lot but <laughs> I hate it <laughs> right but I also like to me like micro losses like maybe I didn't play as well as I right. thought I should have or maybe I know my body language wasn't what it was supposed to be and now I'm upset with myself for that and it's a spiral you know what I mean yeah. but I couldn't be more grateful like hindsight being 2020, I used to be kind of frustrated like man I wish I wish my parents wanted to talk to me about how many points I just scored or like, you know, about the good stuff. And like the only thing I ever heard from my parents after the game and it was, you know, I always rode the bus home. um, But it was like, once I got home, the only thing I ever heard was, are you hungry? Right. You know, glad we, glad we got to come watch. It was a good game. And then, you know, I love you. Things of that nature. Mm -hmm. The only time I ever got any sort of negativity was if my dad really wasn't pleased with how i responded to a ref or to my coach yeah you know what i mean yeah. and then he would let me know yeah but i think that's fair at that point like they did a really good job of keeping the main thing the main thing right and the main thing was i'm not going to be a professional basketball player my entire life even if i'm lebron james i have to re- retire at some point yeah, it's going to you know what i mean i have point. to go on and be a father be a husband be a citizen you know community member like what have you Right. <laughs> and I think that is the main thing. And if we always get wrapped up in, man, you know, so and so shot didn't look too good tonight. Like we gotta, we gotta hit the Y tomorrow. Like right. it's grind time. We gotta fix this. Or man, I can't believe Coach, you know, made this decision during the game. Like you know, filling our kids' head with that stuff just is not helpful. Yeah, I've always. I, I, and I'm not perfect, so I don't want to put people down and right. like, judge. Parent. Like at the end of the day, you can only parent your family. Like right. so, like I'm not thinking of anybody in particular right now. But it is something that I'm noticing at scale. You can see it on Twitter. You can see it after games. Like, if you just stand on the wall and just observe, <laughs> you'll see it.
2: You know, I'm, I am I. tell this story. Right? With our junior high this year, we've had – we went on a – we we won our first two games playing mm-hmm. the conference championships, young team. Yeah. And then after that, we, we lose about five in a row, mm-hmm. which was – how are you guys gonna handle it? And honestly, they've handled it great. They've continued to work at it. Yeah. But I think it was harder on some of the parents than it was on the kids. Hard to watch. Yeah. So I shared I shared a story with them that my five year old, my mill son, mm-hmm. had his first flag football game season. I saw that. And he's yeah. he's yeah, and he's playing with first graders. Okay. And he reminds me of this little Barry Sanders out oh, there, yeah. the little guy just weaving <laughs> in and then spinning and juking butt. The first quarter, he he never carried the ball. Okay. So as the dad over there, I'm like, wait a minute, I watch practice, I know he should be carrying the ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The funny thing is, is I'm over there and I'm like, come on, let's go, let's get him carrying the mm-hmm. ball. And I'm mm-hmm. losing this perspective of the fact that he's absolutely yeah. having a blast. Yeah. I could have ruined that right. moment for him because he didn't care if he carried the ball. Right. He was diving in the grass. But you internalized it and yeah, yeah. And then I was a little bit patient, waited, and the next thing you know, he is carrying the ball. Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking how puffed up and proud I am of the way yeah, he's playing. And exactly. I got I gotta remember that. The most important thing is that he's having fun, Yeah, he's being respectful to his opponents and his teammates, mm-hmm. and he's learning to compete, yep. and everything else will take care of itself. And afterwards, we just say, we don't even talk about the game. You yeah. know, I, I joke with him about, nice job, I saw you do this and this. And he's like, what he wants to talk about is, well, did you see me when I was over on the sideline and I was playing with so-and-so, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I, I right. saw that too, of course yeah. I did, you know?
1: Having a good time with his buddies.
2: Yeah, so I think you hit it right on the head with, you know having seeing the big picture and knowing that where the priorities are and first and foremost that you know i hope that we have an nba player somewhere around here in our midst but the majority of them are not going to be right even less if they're going to be a college level player Mm -hmm. but they need to learn what the life lessons that we're trying to apply first and foremost and yeah uh you know there's a work ethic that's involved in that but there's also a fine line of recognizing just step back for the day and come back at it the next Mm -hmm.
1: day right and i think that could help with mental health for these young athletes. Yeah, so much. So much is put on them already. Because of even even media. I listen. I struggled. I didn't have the same like we had Facebook, and I thought I was a big deal with like a couple thousand friends on Facebook. Okay. Like it was pre Twitter and um, pre Instagram. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Twitter was around, but it was like college. Whenever it was a big deal. Yeah, my identity was so wrapped up in basketball mm-hmm. that whenever. I failed in college because of my own mistakes. I had the hardest time for years of dealing with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's still, honestly, there's probably still some, like, um, I guess, today, like some ripple effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. That things I notice, like the way I address things inside my own head, I'm just like, you know, that's not necessarily the healthiest way to look at that. <laughs> like, And I just think that, we could really start giving them the tools to do that at a younger age yeah. you know what i mean like hey like this game is not your identity this game is a tremendous way to you know interact with other human beings you know and at the end of the day we have to be on this planet with other human beings right. regardless of whatever the avenue is right
2: yeah it's, with our junior high kids the one thing i ask them continually almost daily is are you having fun mm-hmm. yeah you know? and because i think that's important struggle to just look. checking in with them right yeah just are you having fun? Are you enjoying this? Mm-hmm. still?
1: Uh, and I know there's a coach that I uh, am friends with from Minnesota that is – this year he's got a Google form that his high school kids will fill out each day. And on there will be, like, how many hours of sleep did you get? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know how's school going? How are you feeling with your home life? And it's a private thing just between them and the coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they'll be able to kind of, like, great have that on a scale where they can – hopefully pay attention and at least try to start those conversations. I mean, the, the physical one-on-ones are still very important. Right. Right. But I mean, I think it's, it's good regardless of what it looks like, how, how you are being proactive about, you know, asking kids if they're having fun or, you know, checking in on kids with, you know, how things are going off the court. You know, I, I had um, somebody that I've trained for a few years now that, you know they they had some very serious um, stuff off the court that wasn't them directly but it affected them directly yeah you know, you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so like that really put it in perspective for me too i was like man like if i never put that kid through another workout would they know that i love them and would they know that you know to me they're more than a basketball player have yeah. i made that clear enough <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean
2: yeah i think uh we do lose that perspective sometimes I, I I'm guilty of it I I think I remind myself of it almost every other week where it gets yeah. me like okay I'm getting caught up and mm-hmm. trying to make sure we got this in or we right. got that in and I'm getting really after i in practice and I'm losing that mm-hmm. just the human you exactly. know, the relationship stuff and and that's more important than anything else we're going to do and when you, when you, and the good thing is, is that you're self evaluating that and you're recognizing you come back to it. Yeah. And then you just coach that way. I mean, I, I think we all do that because we're trying to put a lot in and a little bit of time, mm-hmm. trying to get the most and the best out of them that we can and what time we do have. And sometimes if you're not uh, careful, you can lose the focus of what's the most important, right. which is the human, human aspect of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of the day, we're only human. Right. <laughs> um, I know you got a game tonight, so I don't want to keep you much longer. To wrap this up, You know, myself being a young coach, um, I already know from the, you know, I published the first episode the other day. This is episode four. So, you know, we've got a couple weeks for this one comes out. But I already know there's some young coaches who've reached out to me about the first episode. And so if you're giving me advice or another young coach that might look like myself, just maybe a little less handsome, um, (laughs) what would you tell them or what would you tell myself, like some advice from your coaching career that we could apply?
2: Well, I think uh, just – there's going to be hills and valleys there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there really are. There's going to be other times where there's some seasons that are just uh, going to be a little bit tougher than others, whether you mm-hmm. measure it by the wins or the losses or the way the kids are, your participation numbers right. or, or whatever it might be. But to just stay encouraged, mm-hmm. to just make sure that you're, you're continually focused on the relationship building, the fundamentals of the game, uh, and, and continually doing that. And then making decisions that you feel like you know are the right decisions for each and every athlete. Okay. It never falls back on the playing time or that thing. You're just you're doing what's best for each one on their own that you can. Okay. Uh, and then just trying to get connected as much as you could, or can, get out mm-hmm. to as many practices as you can, uh, talk to as many people as you can about the game. Um, I've just I, it's always a hard thing for me to to give advice because I'm wired different for a lot of guys. I think. Yeah. Uh, to me, there's, for the longest time, I haven't, I've only been married for seven years, so mm-hmm. to me, it was just basketball. Yeah. So I was very fortunate, besides that I, I got a late start at that point, mm-hmm. the basketball stuff was all I did. And that was what I, what I dove into, and I didn't know anything else. And I was okay with that. I didn't have a lot of hobbies right. and, and still don't. Besides, my, my family's not a hobby, but of course. if I have free time, it's with them. Yeah. I don't golf anymore because mm. I don't have time. I can't wait for them to get older to where they can go golfing with me. So I can, but uh, I just—I would encourage to first and foremost is just to continue the 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 relationship part is just so important. Okay. Whether it's a a skills coach like yourself, whether it's a a physical trainer, Mm -hmm. and I've heard uh, Drew Hanlon talk about this before, where most of the time when a guy's in a shooting slump, it's got nothing to do with. No. the basketball part, it's yeah. something going on and you need to make sure you're staying up to that and mm-hmm. know that. And, and that's gotta be a priority first and foremost. And it, it does come back to the old saying of they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. And when they know that you care, it's gotta be more than care. They know that you love them. They know exactly. that you're, you're there for them. You've got your back. Mm-hmm. And when they do, then the rest of this stuff kind of take care of itself and then just continually want to grow. Yeah. Like you, you can't know enough, whether it's leadership culture, learning from a CEO about how he runs his business, because mm-hmm. if you want your own program, you're going to be running your, mm-hmm. it's the same type of stuff. And then uh, just remember to serve first and foremost, you're there to serve. Amen. It's not, not to uh, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. You're there to serve.
1: Awesome. That's perfect coach. I appreciate you.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: What up podcast listeners. Just want to say thanks again. I appreciate you guys sticking around. I appreciate you checking out the show. If you could leave a rating and a review, it would mean the world to me.